God is good, is he not? Amen. Well, I'm going to pray that God would open up the scriptures uh, for me, for you. And um, we are going to be looking at uh, Old Testament prophecies that uh, point to Christ. And, uh, and uh, there's a lot of deep stuff in here, trust me. Good stuff. And uh, so let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for the cross, Lord, that you, um, Father, sent your son um, to put on flesh humanity, Lord, to live in our stead and live without sin, which we have not done. And Lord, you've taken our place. We're thankful for that. Lord, that you took our consequences on the cross, on your body. And um, can you just receive the grace of God? Just thank the Lord for the grace of God. Lord, thank you for your mercies that are given to us, Lord. And um, I pray that you'd open up the scriptures, open up the text, Lord, of what Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and others um, prophesied, Lord, and uh, let it come true. Uh, Let's the truth of it come to the surface in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I'll I'll just preface with this. Um, If you don't know me, and if you do, you've heard me say this before, but I, I was... I was an atheist. Um, um, I was a pretty hardcore atheist. People would tell me about their religions and things that they have, and I'd go, these guys are just delusional. Um, that's, that's really what I started. And what, what, what changed it for me <clears throat> wasn't uh, coming to church or it wasn't uh, reading some text. Um, actually, the Spirit of God touched me. Do you know that we serve a living God? He's alive. Did you know that? He is actually alive. And uh, you may be going through some trial and thinking, you know, where, where is God? But trust me, he's there. And he knows what's going on. And uh, God does let, um, allow trials to come our way. He doesn't intervene in all of them. But he always works his purposes for our benefit through the trials. Isn't that good? Um. I don't know what a life without trials would look like because like I grew up with Disneyland and you still got to wait in line for the ride. You know what I'm saying? It, it, my, my dad worked at a, a company Xerox. He was a, an engineer there. And one night they, um, one, one day they took like half the day. It was like four to six hours, something like that, where it was only their company at Disneyland. And oh man, it was fun. It's like there was no lines for anything. And you just go right to the front of the line. And then later on when everybody else is there, it's like, you know what it's like to wait like an hour for those rides? And here, here we are at Christmas time and Christmas time is the time of giving gifts. And you think that God himself, he's given these prophecies and these words to us to promise that he is going to deliver us and save us. And it doesn't get any better than this. And you wonder why it's so important. But, you know, I was getting ready for my sermon and I had my message already during the week because I knew we had a Christmas concert, so I'd worked on it earlier. And this morning I rewrote the whole thing. <clears throat> and, I, and I know it was the Lord. He, he sent me. And those of you who went to first service know that it was the Lord. You know, uh, God, I really felt like God's presence was here in power. And um, by the way, if I do get excited about these scriptures, I want to let you know in advance so I don't have to apologize then that I am not angry. 
I am passionate. How many say amen? And this is not just a thing that I do. This is my life. And the reason it's my life is because God touched me and I know what he can do. You know, it was funny. You know, we talked about this. You said the giving and the offering and Jody and I were talking about it. And, you know, she was saying, you know, sometimes you talk to people and they go, man, I really have a struggle giving. Those are all the people on Facebook complaining about their finances. <laughs> right? If you're one of those on Facebook complaining about your finances, I just want to ask you something. Have you made God first in your resources? And this isn't a plea to get you to give. This is a plea for you to live and not have to have money be your master and be your boss, you know, or your boss be your boss. You know, I've had a lot of bosses. I've had good bosses and bad bosses, but it never mattered because my boss was always the Lord. Amen. The only people who have really good bosses is our staff. <laughs> they probably disagree with you. That was funny though. They're back there cringing going, you liar. No, I'm kidding. They're not. Listen, let, let me, there, there are thousands of prophecies and then probably six, 700 that are very pinpointed. And then about three or 400 that are almost exact about Christ. Um, from the Old Testament. I, I want you to see that some of the prophecies are quite a few years old. There, some of them are four to 5,000 years old. Some of the ones that are written, the, the, what they refer to, and then some of the ones written are 2,700 years ago. There's a couple that are 3,200 years ago. And they were 700 to 1,400, 13, 1,400 years before the time of Christ. Now, Try to think about it. How old is our country? And I kind of use that as an example. How old is our country? 200 plus, 225, 230, 240, something like that. 250. Somewhere right in that range. Imagine that another empire came into power after us. And then it reigned for another 250 years. And then another empire came for 250 years. Okay. And imagine that that first empire had this lonely band of Jews that were in captivity. And they're saying stuff that is going to come through right as another fourth empire comes into power, Rome, right? Literally, Caesar, you know, Augustus, Mark Anthony are marching down the streets, you know, conquering the Greeks and moving into power. And the census is given and Jesus Christ is born right at the crux and the cornerstone time in history. And we get here, that was what, 2013 years ago. Almost 2014. Isn't it amazing? And you would not believe some of, and I, when I was an atheist, I would always think the Bible is just another book. And then I started to see, when I became a Christian, God really opened my eyes to what was in the scriptures. I've been amazed at how incredible the Bible is. Even from a scientific perspective, it doesn't claim to be a scientific book, but, but some of the nuances of, of its scientific accuracy are amazing. Um, some of the way that it just uses poetic prose and even um, the way that it uses letters and words to fulfill are so incredible that it'll blow your mind. Um, and again, can someone say 2,700 years? How many think that's quite a long time? That's a long time. And so, and not only that, but you have prophecies that are from different walks of life on different continents, different nations, 
different kingdoms, different races that are coming forward and making these prophetic claims uh, of the different races that are, are ruling at the time. Let me give you just a couple simple ones and I'm going to go to seven main ones. Um, and I, I had to pick seven because I could, I could, I literally, I could do this all day long. Um, but just a simple one. Jesus would enter Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. Okay. That's the way that he was going to come in a small thing that he'd be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. That's how his betrayal. And that friend would use that 30 pieces of silver to buy a field, which would be owned by a potter. For, for one thing, when, even when the Bible says names that of people that don't even exist yet, it'd be me like saying, you know, there's going to be a guy named Carl Jackson in 700 years who's going to own an ice cream truck and he's going to proclaim that Bob is uncle. How many think that probably won't come true? This is powerful stuff. If you really look at it at face value. And again, and I'm not, not to pick on, uh, on other belief systems because I, I don't mean to. Uh, I just want to draw a contrast to it because I think that's fair to say, fair to do. Is that Islam talks about Jesus as well. 600 years after he's gone. Why would I accept a prophecy 600 years when I, uh, later when I can hear the eyewitnesses who were there when it happened? And, and, then, and then there are many belief systems, I won't name them all, in the 1800s that rose up. And they said, oh, Jesus did this, and Jesus did that, and Jesus did that. But the, the eyewitnesses were in the hundreds who witnessed this. Secular and non-secular. You know, Josephus, Jewish scholar, um, you know, wrote extensively on it. Pliny, Pliny the Younger and the Elder. Um, you have the disciples. You have the non-disciples like Luke and Mark and others. It said that Jesus would die with criminals at his side and then buried with the wealthy. So with the thugs and the wealthy. How many are the thugs? Raise your hand. How many are the wealthy? Pass the baskets totally kidding but that is funny and that jesus would rise from the dead i mean ezekiel's got all these prophecies about jesus rising from the dead so here we are at christmas time where jesus is going is coming to earth that's what we're celebrating the god incarnate is going to incarnate himself into humanity for our benefit all this you may not realize it is for you this is what's so amazing. And, and I'll, I'll talk to people in the hallway and they go, I don't really know if I'm going to church. Like, what? They think because I'm the pastor, they have to explain it to me. Can I tell you, I'm coming anyway. You may come or you may not come, but I'll just tell you, you're missing out on hearing the good news that God is on your side more than any creature that you know or can touch. He's on you, in f- he's on you, he's for you, he's with you in full force. I don't see how you can skip it. Seriously. Why do you think I gave my life to this? You know, it's amazing because God took this atheist and got a hold of his soul so that he could share the good news in a place that's religious. So that you don't walk around with your book thinking you are somebody. 
You just walk in and you can actually just be yourself. And God says, I'll change you on the inside. I, I literally, I was, I was walking after the concert and some guy walked up to me and he starts talking to me. And I, I don't guess who it is because you won't. I talked to hundreds of people. And, and, he, and he was sharing, and he was going, well, I got this sin, and I got this sin. And he was sharing me with the sins. And, and what he was waiting for me to do was going, yep, you suck. You're no good. Boy, if I'd have known you had that many sins, I'd the ushers not even let you in the building, Val. And, and, and he had a few ones that he didn't even think were sins. He goes, well, I do this. Is that a sin? It's not a sin. They can't be a sin. I was going, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember when I used to do that with God going, this is okay, isn't it? God's like, silence. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, a couple of weeks go by and you're going, God, show me what's wrong with my life. And he goes, that. You go, not that. Show me what's wrong with my life. <laughs> That's my personality. <laughs> His name is Legion. You know, I mean, it is funny. And, and the thing is, the thing is, is that the message, this good news, all these prophecies aren't here to go for you to go, wow, that's really cool. And man, that happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess God's cool. Maybe Christianity's true. No, these were done for you. You, a savior has been born to you. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for, can everyone say all the people, all the people. So Let's get to one. I'm going to start with just a few pre one pre-Bible promise. And how many know that there is a pre-Bible promise? There's a promise for you even before the Bible is. It says, Jesus here, Titus in 1-2, it says he's the, he's the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before when? The beginning of time. Before time began. Before it said, let there be light. And light is in the equation C squared. E equals MC squared. C is light, the speed of light. When God says there's light, that means there's M and there's E because you have to have the things on the both equal sign have to exist for time, space, relativity to exist. How many say amen? amen? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then he made, starts making all kinds of really cool stuff. Well, guess what? Before time began, before Genesis 1, God says he promised this hope of eternal life. Imagine God before you're born, before you existing. God says, and I'm going to make myself a people. And I hear oftentimes, I think, well-intentioned pastors, leaders who will say, you know, God wanted Adam and Eve to make it, but they couldn't. And then he has this plan B going on. And we're just trying to rescue everybody. I'm going... That's not true. That's not true. Can you imagine? Let's say you were Adam and you were not, you were doing good and he didn't fall. He didn't sin. And he goes, God, that's the way. This was God's original plan. We we pretend Adam's here. He's doing really well. And so is Eve. But you know, a couple thousand years go by, a couple million years go by. Adam's still doing good. Then a billion years go by and a trillion years go by. And finally, Adam looks at Eve and he goes, Man, you don't look good this morning. <laughs> she goes, what? And now the curse has got to start, right? How many are glad we got that over with? How many are glad that God will never count your sins against you anymore? 
because they've been paid for on a cross and you've been redeemed and the life you live is no longer the life you live in the body or in the flesh, but it is now Christ in you who is the incorruptible, immortal, eternal, invisible, been around forever, going to be around forever, who was and is and is to come, the I am, lives in you and has paid by his power and his works your sins, your iniquities, your infirmities, your transgressions, whether you know it or not, that they are gone because he did it. And you are saved. And do I hear an amen? Amen. This is the good news of great joy. Right? That will be all for all the people. Point to someone and say, and that means you, pal. Listen, go to the next one if you would. This is the New Testament, and then I'm going to get to my seven points here. She will give birth to a son. He's talk, she's talking about Mary. Matthew's talking about Mary. And you are to give him the name Jesus, right? Which is uh, Yeshua in the Greek, in the Hebrew. Now translated Jesus here to us in English. Because he will what? He will save, can everyone say, his people, can everyone say from their sins, his people, their sins. All this took place. Why? To fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet or through the prophets. This is what the Lord said. This is the promise for the joy set before him. The Lord endured the cross and scorned its shame. It says that it's like the enemies of God, when they saw the cross, were going, yes, he's going to die. He, he can't fulfill it. And that's the enemy's constant proving ground. I'm going to show you that the, that the promises of God aren't going to happen. That will show you that he's not God. And God sits back and says, you will see every promise fulfilled. And I promise you before God that one day we will sit in eternity And you will praise God. And you will look back. And you'll see your flaws, but your tears will have wiped away. It'll be a memory. You'll be reconciled to God. You'll know what they are, but the glory of the the momentary and light troubles aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us in the age to come. We're in this age, and then there's the age to come. How many say amen? All right, let's look at some of these. Okay, number one. Can everyone say it with me? Virgin birth. Virgin birth. Now this is God to earth. God's coming to earth. You know, virgin birth means it shouldn't work. Okay. It's an oxymoron, right? I don't know who's oxy and who's the moron, but it's out there. Okay. It's a virgin birth. I mean, this is a wow. Now remember, Isaiah's in captivity back here and he's looking forward and he's writing down these scrolls and you can imagine, you know, some of the the Phoenicians or Babylonians coming to him and going, what are you writing here? And he goes, I'm talking about a virgin birth that's gonna happen at some point. When you live, no, past that. Way back. There's gonna be four different empires that are gonna rise and fall in the meantime. You'll be a distant memory. But let me tell you, Listen, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a what? A son. And we'll call him what? Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. God 
will be with us. You mean like on our side? No, no. No, we we know that the God out there can already look out for us, but he's going to be God uh, with us, among us. There he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How many say amen? This is is him. He he comes not only for us, but also for, not only for Israel, the, the, the bloodline, but for the true Israel, who is the seed of Abraham to those who believe. How many say amen? This is God. It's a virgin birth. It says, and I mean, this God for us, and, and I always hear this, people go, well, Jesus isn't God. He's just some guy, you know, some important guy like Gandhi. I don't care what Gandhi did. And I, I've, Gandhi, Mandela, and all these really important and powerful leaders in their time. And I honor and respect what they have accomplished. But it's not God putting on humanity. That's a little different. How many say amen? Amen. And listen to this. In John 10, you see it fulfilled hundreds of times in the New Testament. But, but they're stoning him and for the, because he's done a bunch of miracles and everyone's following him and they're going, they're saying, we're going to stone you. And he says, and he, so he goes to them, what, why are you stoning me? For, the, for these miracles? And the Jews replied, no, for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And I want you to understand this. You, a mere man, claim to be God. In every other aspect, they were right. They should have stoned him. And you know why? Because the Old Testament Levitical laws, if anyone were to claim to be of deity, was going to be crushed. The only exception could be if it was truly deity. And so they were right. You, a mere man claiming to be God, blasphemous. And, and, I, and I mentioned this in first service. There are plenty of religions out there that don't only let you be the creature because there's one creator. Once you've been created, even if you can create things, look, I can draw this art thing. Look, I can play the guitar. You're not the creator. There's one creator and you're the creature. Everything after that is a creature. To think that now in this possibility, the blasphemy of thinking you will become God. That is blasphemous. How many agree with that? Listen, it doesn't mean that we can't be Christ-like. It doesn't mean we can't imitate the things of God. It doesn't mean that God won't have amazing things for us. Awesome things. And we will be rulers and kings and priests. Is it going to be fun? I want like a powerful spiritual horse or motorcycle when I get there. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I don't know why I just, I don't know why I want to throttle that thing, but I don't know. You know, I don't know what it's going to be like exactly, but it's not going to be clouds and harps. And I've got that clear with you guys. It's not going to be harps. And I love the harp, but only so much you can take. <laughs> Listen, Isaiah 9, 6, watch how he continues. For to us, a child is born. Can everyone just say a child? So the child is going to be born, but listen, but the son to us, he repeats the same sentence, but to us in the same way, a child will be born, but the eternal son of God will be given to you in the child. In, in theological circles, it's called the hypostatic union. It's God is fully man, fully flesh, but fully God. Colossians says the fullness of the deity dwelt in him in full bodily form. 
Listen to what it says about him. And the government will be on his shoulders. In other words, he'll rule. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. How many think the Holy Spirit is real? He is the counselor. He can counsel you. I was, I was asking the Lord for some wisdom this morning. And, and as I was praying, I was going, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm listening. And it was one of those things where the Lord was been trying to get my attention, but I keep blowing them off. I blow them off because I kind of feel like, oh, Lord, you're not going to do it anyway. That's how I think. How many ever think that way? And then so, but I could hear the, the Lord settling me. And he says, I want you to surrender this to me. You're not letting it go. And then he started giving me wisdom. And then as I was reading his word, it just started coming alive to me. He was a counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. He is, listen, this, this one who's going to be a child, what's he going to be? Can everyone say mighty God? Mighty God. Everlasting child. Everlasting son. Everlasting what? He is the father. This is where you have Thomas and Philip coming to Jesus. They've been around him for three years. And, 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 Tom, and Thomas is going like, well, Lord, show us the father. Philip, I'm sorry. He says, show us the father and that'll be good enough for us. And he goes, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who's seen me has seen the father. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. How many think this is powerful? Yes. This, is, this isn't Gandhi. This isn't some great leader. This is the son of God, the eternal son, the Benomani, which is the humanity, which is what human is. He is the human, the son, the one manifested for our sake. It's such powerful stuff. Isaiah is saying this 2,700 years ago. And it's coming to fruition in your life. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Ephesians 2.14 says, He himself is our peace. He has made the two one. Jesus fulfills peace. Put, put on John 14 there. It says, Peace I leave with you. My peace. It's, it's like imagine God coming to you and goes, he goes, my peace, the peace that I have from eternity past with no corruption, completely untarnished. This peace, I, I, I leave it with you. My peace, I, I, give, I give it to you. And then he says, I don't give like the world gives. I have smoked all kinds of stuff. Seriously. I've done angel dust. I've done weed. I've smoked heroin. I can tell you all kinds of stuff that I've smoked. And I have, and if you want real peace, I'll tell you what I told first service. Let me just take a big hammer and hit you in the head. And in a few minutes, you'll have peace. (laughs) Until you wake up. And you're going to go, what happened to my head? And that's what I used to say. I'd go, what happened to all my brain cells? (laughs) People go, how you doing? I'd go, not bad. You ever seen that commercial? It goes, Potts doesn't ruin you. And he goes, Mom, where's my socks? (laughs) 
He doesn't give like the world gives because the world is going to give you a taste of what you think peace is and it's no peace there. It's just going to take it back and you're stuck with the same problems. God takes it down to the core of who you are. I don't care if it's in your parenting, if it's in your marriage, if it's in your relationships, if it's just in your friendships, it's your purpose, your vision, the way you perceive reality, the way you conceptualize and embrace peace day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, second to second. God is working in your soul and he brings you peace. I'm stunned at how amazing God's peace is. We could be in the greatest turmoil and just sit there and go, wow, God's in charge. I can't believe it. How many say amen? Amen. Listen, here's a couple. Let's give you a couple quick ones here. Born in Bethlehem. Okay. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose origins are from of old, from everlasting. Can everyone just say everlasting? This, this one comes and he's from everlasting. Listen, you Bethlehem. Bethlehem really literally means just temple, temple of bread. And, and the Ephrathah is, is a fruitfulness, a fruitful land, a bread that is nourishing to your soul. I am the bread of life, says Christ. Eat of me. I come that you bear fruitfulness. The the Israelites looked for the fruitful land. God's prophecy was talking about our land. This stage is my land. My life is my spiritual land. As I walk on it, the Lord blesses it because it's been sanctified by him. It's, listen to what he says. He says this little among the thousands of Judah. Jacob had 12 sons. Jake, uh, Judah was one of them. Judah had a son who had a son who had a son. And little by little, those little sons became towns till we get to Bethlehem. And Bethlehem becomes this little place of the thousands of towns that come from not Joseph or, or uh, Reuben or Simeon or any of the other kids. He, he, God's saying from this line, there'll be salvation poured out that'll blow away the world and save it. This is almost 3,700 3, years ago. Oh my gosh. Woo! I'm sorry, but Channel 5 can't even get the weather right today. We got satellites up in space. We're figuring out the condensation moving from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific. God's going, this bloodline over the next 20 different kingdoms is going to produce one person who'll shed their blood on the cross, born of a virgin, and save the people. All nations will be blessed through your loins, Abraham. How many say hallelujah? Hallelujah. This is very good news. It shall come out of you the one to be ruler of Israel. This is just a great promise. Put on the next one. It says, the scripture says that Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived. Listen, you you got all the way down here where you have Abraham and he has two sons. He has, God says, through you, all nations are going to be blessed, Abraham. And he goes, he goes, listen to my promise. And then he has, Abraham goes, okay, I'm going to be part of God's promise. And then he waits and waits and waits. 
and he's like 100 years old, and he's going, well, it ain't going to happen. Sorry, Sarah. It can't happen to you. And Sarah goes, it'll never happen through me. <laughs> right? She laughs. Right? How many of you laughed the last time God told you he had purpose and destiny and deliverance for you? And then he goes, okay, I'll just have sex with Hagar then. She's looking good. Maybe I'll go this way and have a kid that way. And Sarah's like, go ahead. And that's Ishmael. And all kinds of good stuff came out of that, right? Hello. Thank you for that hello. And then we have Isaac, right? And then a Jacob and Esau. And then we have these 12 brothers. And then Judah selected. And Judah goes down. And he has a kid and has a kid who has a kid who has a kid. And then David gets a kid. David is the one coming from that line of the tribe of Judah. And Israel, part of Israel goes into captivity. But Judah is kept. And then Judah has, I mean, David, or Jesse has a son, David. David has Solomon. Solomon has Rehoboam. And then they go into captivity. And then Isaiah goes, and let me tell you what God's going to do. See this line that's in captivity for the next four or five kingdoms? There's going to be salvation through it. They're going to be celebrating in Draper, Utah. Woo! How many think this is awesome? The promises were spoken. Put on the next one if you would. This is born from Abraham's seed. It's born in Bethlehem, born from Abraham's seed. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Now listen to what he says. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, which is plural. Because the Jews were thinking, well, it's all of us. It's us, we're the people. And he says, the seeds, not singular seed, meaning many people, but and to your seed. The promise is to your seed, meaning one person who is who? Can everyone say Christ? Isn't it good to say it without cursing? Put on the next slide. If you, yeah, could you? If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to what? Raise your hand if you say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Just say, keep your hands up. You're not that tired. Come on, get some exercise. Say, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord. He is the fulfillment of God's promise. And because I believe in him and point to the cross, say, and, and this is what he did for me, that I am part of the promise now. And God's promises are true for me. Amen. And amen, you know what it means? I agree, or yes, God, right? We are part of the promise in that day, Isaiah eleven ten, the root of Jesse, remember Judah, down the line to Jesse. Jesse has the son, King David, right? The root of Jesse, which is gonna go all the way down to Joseph and all the way down to Mary. And then Jesus is born, not by their union, but through Mary, overshadowed by the spirit of God, a transcendent transaction. The blood comes through the male and the blood comes through Mary by the male and the pure blood of Jesus arises into the world. How many say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Right? And he has no descendants. There's no one after him and no one for him. Don't listen to the Da Vinci coat. No offense, Tom Hanks, but you don't know what you're talking about in this case. 
In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest, that's peace, will be glorious. And how many say the rest of God is pretty glorious? Um, Amen. We're almost done here. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah, etc. Oh, but the father of Jesse, Jesse, the father of King David, and the father of things, who's the father of things. And also you throw Rahab, the prostitute gets thrown in there too. And it goes all the way down here. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad to include the prostitute? Right? It's, it's like God doesn't even flinch. You know, people in their royal robes and everything like that, wearing our royal robes. And, you know, they, what do they do when they preach that? Yeah, and by the way, Rahab the prostitute was in there. Never mind, I gotta go. <clears throat> That's how it feels, right? This is this promise. Listen, multiple children were killed. Number four, another prophecy here. This is what the Lord says. A voice heard in Ramat, which is the high mountain place in Bethlehem. And great weeping, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. Rachel's descendants is right in the tribe of Judah. And they reside in Bethlehem. There's an, an Herod because he wants to Herod through Satan wants to kill off all the kids so the Messiah can't be born. Because he hears and he looks and he goes, is there a Messiah going to be born? He's looking in the book. There is already a foreshadow of this. Go way back to Moses. Moses is bringing Israel out of the bondage and slavery of the Egyptian pharaohs who say, you know, less bricks, more straw. Or less straw, more bricks. I want more productivity with less stuff to get you. Doesn't that feel like work? Does it feel like the economy? You're going to get less, but you got to build more. You're going to get less, you're going to build more. They were under the bondage of slavery. And they were going, oh, we're under these Egyptian bondage. And Moses came. He was born. But you know what? The Pharaoh said, kill all the children. It's the same story. And then all of a sudden, you have it coming to fruition. Now, a couple thousand years later. Amazing. How many think this is a pretty amazing prophecy? That it happens just like this. And then from Bethlehem to Nazareth. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. Again, now he's talking about Jesse. God is constantly talking about this whole Judah line. He says he's the lion from the tribe of Judah. He's the son of Abraham. He is the descendant of Jesse. He's from the stump of David, the king. This is how God talks. Amen? Does that make sense? And so here you have it. A shoot from Jesse will, will come up from the stump of, I'm sorry, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse and his roots, a branch, which if it's translated there, Nazareth, will bear fruit. There you have Bethlehem. He went and lived in a town. He leaves Bethlehem. He, he gets called into Bethlehem, as Joseph does, ends up at Bethlehem because Rome comes to power. And go, we got to go to Bethlehem. Why? Because they want to count everybody. We all got to go back to our original city. This is where I was from the line of Judah. Then he has the kid. And then I didn't quote the scripture. It says, he goes, we got to escape. So he goes to Egypt. And that's another prophecy fulfilled. And then from there he goes, let's go. And so he grows up in Nazareth. And it says, he will be called a Nazarene. And sure it is. In fact, later, the old, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were looking at the books and they're going, there's no prophet that comes out of Nazareth. That can't be. 
but Bethlehem Ephrathah, the peaceful, fruitful branch, comes to save us. Amen? Number six, and here's where we get to the nitty-gritty. How many want to be touched by God today? Listen, just go along with these scriptures, and I promise you, you will be touched. Mankind would reject him. He grew up before him. He's talking about the father. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus will grow up. This child to us who is born, he will grow up to him like a tender shoot coming from the line of Jesse. And like a root, he's going to come out of dry ground. There's no fertile soil. There's no natural bloodline. He's going to come out of, out of a, a ground that can't be fertile. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed uh, Mary and he was born. And listen, it said he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Think about this. Imagine if Jesus was this good-looking, studly guy with just the right hairdo. And, you know, he had a 12-pack abs. You know what I mean? And wore this tank top and just, you know, hey, man, who are you? Jesus, what's up, man? What's up? And, and, and you go, girls, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. And guys would want to be hanging around Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, my buddy. Jesus, we're totally hanging out, man. You want to go out with me? No, nothing in his appearance attracted you to him on purpose. I'm so thankful I'm not that good looking. Because if you end up liking me, I know it's the Lord. Amen? Amen? Some of you share that experience. Just point to somebody. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> The funny thing is everybody thinks it's everybody else. <laughs> Listen how the scripture finishes. It says, he was despised and rejected by men. This is Isaiah again, 2,700 years ago, prophesying about Jesus. He's going to be despised. He's going to be rejected. In fact, he's going to be crucified, is he not? And it says, a man of sorrows. He, he's, he's in the garden and he's sweating blood, Right? His own disciples scatter. Peter rejects him right in front of him, who's the closest one. Now, one of his 12, his original 12, basically betrays him with a kiss. His, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Like one from whom men hid their faces. Like It's not like, hey, Jesus. It's like, hey, hey, Jesus. You ever walk by somebody, and you're going, yeah, who's that dork? He was despised, and we esteemed him not. He's still rejected by men. I'm telling you, I could, I could talk about a movie star, Brad Pitt, and people go, oh, cool, Brad Pitt, he builds houses. And I go, yeah, how about the Son of God? He's going to build an eternal house for you. Yeah, I don't believe in that. I don't need religion. Well, I agree there. We need relationship. Listen, mankind will reject him. How many believe that's true? Again, and let's look at this. This will be the last Scriptures here that we looked at. Number seven, Jesus would save us. You guys, this is as deep as it comes. He took, he's talking about this child who's going to be called an everlasting father and a mighty counselor, a prince of peace, a mighty God. He takes upon us, it says, he took up our infirmities. Our sicknesses, our weaknesses, it says he's going to take that up. Not just in this world, but in the age to come. And he carried our sorrows. I don't know how to explain it any more than I want to. 
But I want to communicate to you that it's for you. It's such a sad and pathetic thing that religion has become an attendance rather than an understanding of my God is real. That, that it's not just this message of let's have a holy huddle or I got to go to church to be a good person, but that he did this and prophesied and promised and all this history and everything that's there is so that he could redeem himself, a people throughout history and bring them into eternity. This is the most amazing thing. He carried your pain, your punishments, that instead of being on you, the ones you recognize and the ones you don't acknowledge yet. All of those iniquities and the God, you understand that God is a God of purity and holiness, righteousness, truth. And when we fall short of that way in our life, God can't be unjust and say, just let him go. God has to remain God. He has to stay just. But thank God he's merciful that he comes in his own into our humanity like us, but sins not and then takes upon my sin. <sighs> I, if you would not want to see the videotape of my debauchery. Trust me. I've been throughout my life through the period of time, the way, especially before I came to Christ, of pure wickedness. And yet God forgave me for that and took it upon himself. And he took my infirmities. He took that. Listen to this next one here. He says, we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. Next one. He was pierced for what? Our transgressions. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. I talk to people sometimes about the cross and they, they see the cross as a death instrument. They go, why would you want to celebrate the cross? It's, it's the death of Jesus. You know, I, I, one guy tell me, he goes, if he was killed with a gun, would you have a gun there? And I go, dude, if we were cowboys, we'd be praising the Lord with guns. We'd be going, psh, psh, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but when you look at this cross, and I said, you see Jesus' death. I see Jesus' payment for me. And when God thinks of the cross, it is joy to him. Do you realize that? Understand, God is looking at you. You who are fearfully and wonderfully made in the palm of God's hand, but yet fall under rebellion and are now eternally redeemed by the cross. And God goes, yes. Yes, this is awesome. This is my plan. Now you will never not be redeemed. You'll always be redeemed. It says he was crushed. The sins, every consequence of yours, he was crushed by it. The wrath of God that was aimed at you because of justice. The love of God replaced by putting it on Christ. All of it, all of it, all of it was put on him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Think about that. He paid for everything that you had. 
And now we have religion spring up that says, that's not enough. We've got to kind of earn our way. How insulting to the grace of God. Seriously, how insulting to the grace of God that you could earn it. How many want something that's free? Not by you. You were, it's free for you. How many know that it was paid for by Jesus Christ? He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, Prince of Peace, was upon him. And by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. We are saved. We are restored. How many say hallelujah? Last scripture. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen. Can everyone say amen? amen. One more time, say amen. amen. It's just, do you agree with God? I can't forgive myself. Yes, you can, because you have to do what God does. He forgives you. And the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. To the glory of God. We come to congregate together, whether it's in community like, like Siri was sharing, or when we come together where the local city just comes together of believers to say, we say yes and amen to Christ. And we preach Christ. And if you've been to this church, you know that we preach Christ every single time. Every single time. And you know why? Because he is the promise. He is the hope. He is the message. He is the deliverance. He is the healing. He is the help. Why don't you close your eyes? First, how many got something from the Lord today? Come on. Let's give glory to God. Father God, thank you. We bless your name. <laughs> my, my daughter told me this morning, you know, because we're going to go see The Hobbit, and we're big Lord of the Rings fans. The books, everything. And, and I, I haven't seen it, and I didn't want to see it with a big crowd. She goes, you excited about The Hobbit, you know, today? And I was thinking to myself, yeah, but I'm more excited about God's word today. You, you know what I mean? And Father, I thank you. Thank you for the cross. (laughs) Lord, thank you that your prophetic words are not fancy religion, trying to play word games and wordsmith, try to, I don't know, convince people of something. Lord, but these are promises that you have shown that you are in charge of history. And you'll be in charge of the end times whether people realize it or not. And Lord, I thank you that you've done these things for our benefit because of your amazing love that blows me away every time, Lord. And Lord, I see your people. I look at your people. And Lord, I know that you love them so deeply. Lord, your love is so rich. I'm so amazed by you. Lord, I pray that you'd pour your love into their hearts so deeply that it'll blow them their mind. And if you needed that forgiveness today, will you just raise your hand and just say, Lord, I need that forgiveness now. Just raise your hand. Thank you for the forgiveness. Just put your hand up. And go ahead and put your hand down. Maybe it's restoration. You say, Lord, I need my soul, my heart restored. I believe your promises. This is what you came for. Just raise your hand. Say, Lord, do it in me. I want your promises that my faith is in you, Lord, not myself. Maybe you got to give up your own plan of trying to get it done. And just say, Lord, I don't, I want to know my purposes. I want them to be solidified. And you pursued things. 
you know, you've done your fancy internet searches and, you know, you, you just said, man, I just really want to know what to do. You've applied yourself. You've read a bunch of books, but, but you, need, you haven't surrendered it to God. God wants to own it for you, to bless you. Let it go. And you say, Lord, show me your purposes for me. If that's you, just raise your hand, Lord. Show me your purpose. Show me your grace. Show me your kindness. Show me your ways. Just with our base camp team, we offer base camp. I can't tell you how many testimonies I hear from people at base camp to say, this is something of growing in the community of the body. It's Jesus and his body. I brought message from the Lord today because I have the Lord in me and I preach from his word where the spirit is in. And when we come together, we have the spirit and we can share what God is doing in our hearts and lives. Base camp is a way to get introduced to that community and to grow. I encourage you at the end um, just to grab one of the base camp leaders or the base camp room, the second door, last door on the right as you walk out the church. And last of all, I just, do you want, have you not put your trust in Christ before completely? To say, Lord, I want my life restored by you. You followed religion before. You've had enough of that. You know where that leads. It's like the matrix, the green pill and the other pill. You know where it leads. Nowhere. But you're sick of the religion and you want to know God. You want to know who he is. Receive Christ today. If that's you, just raise your hand up. Look up at me. I want to agree with you. Put your hand up. I want to agree. Amen. 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 I see you. Amen. I see you. Anybody else on my right, your left, up there? Amen. I see you back there. Amen. You too. Father, thank you. Did I miss somebody out here? Father, amen. Father, thank you for your great mercies. Lord, pour out your spirit. Lord, let Christmas time, which is an awesome time, Lord, that you came to deliver us. Lord, in the world, this is like a big battle over who can have a manger at the courthouse downtown. Who cares? Lord, I don't care. What I care is about the real thing, that you are the life. And I praise you for it. Bring your freedom and deliverance to each person here with your great power. In Jesus' name. Do I hear an amen?